This is The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight, San Jose's first nonprofit news organization dedicated to independent political and business reporting. I'm your host, Editor Nick Preciado. Downtown San Jose was packed with lowriders earlier this week as residents and elected officials celebrated the end of a decades-long ban on cruising. The ban was implemented roughly 30 years ago to curb gang violence, but was so broad that police could stop and search anyone driving a lowrider, in turn leading to discrimination against people of color. Joining me now to talk about the repeal of this cruising ban are San Jose Councilmember Raul Perales and Professor John Oloa. Raul Perales is a San Jose Councilmember representing downtown San Jose and its surrounding neighborhoods. He led the charge to repeal the city's cruising ban. Prior to elected office, Perales served in the San Jose Police Department. He currently works in a volunteer capacity as a reserve officer. John Aloa is a professor of history and cultural anthropology at Skyline College in San Bruno, and also teaches a class at San Francisco State about the history of lowriding. His research examines how lowriding culture has expanded from Mexican-American communities in the United States to other countries like Brazil. He is a member of Low Creations Car Club, and he has owned six lowriders, his current being a 1973 Buick Riviera. Welcome to the show, you two. Thank you. Thank you for having us. So, Professor, I'd like to start with you. I'd like to start with the history of lowrider culture. Can you explain the roots of lowriding and how that's grown? Yes, thank you. Um, pleasure to be here. The roots of lowriding are actually hotly debated. Um, you know, different scholars drop the needle on the record in different places. Um, there are some scholars that say that the roots of lowriding are traced back to the Spanish colonial plazas throughout Latin America that were the precursors to cruising in that, you know, um, th- there were courting rituals where the men would circle in one direction and women in the other. And that was the precursor to cruising. Um, other scholars say that, you know, the roots of low riding go back to the charros, you know, and the adorning of, of horses and dancing of horses as the precursor to um, also, you know, displaying one's mode of transportation in a flamboyant way. Um, I like to say that the roots of low riding really, I think, are agreed upon stemming from the Pachuco experience in the 1940s, you know, um, in Los Angeles. But I think, you know, a, a more broadly accepted way of looking at it would be that the roots of low riding, low riding originates in the Mexican American experience in the Southwestern United States. And then we don't offend anybody, right? Because everybody wants to plant their flag as as having ownership of point of origin, what I call the creation myth. Um, But I would say that, you know, that the Pachucos in the 1940s are sort of the the grandfathers of the lowriding tradition. Mm, Thank you for that. Now, Councilmember Perales, you've been personally affected by the city's cruising ban. Can you explain how it impacted you in your youth with your, I believe it was a 1965 Impala Supersport, right? Yeah. Um... Unlike the professor here, uh, I only had the privilege of owning one lowrider, uh, and unfortunately, it's it's gone now. It got hit and totaled at one point. Uh, so, uh, a, a nice part of history, but a sad part a little bit for me. Um, but yeah, you know, I was four years old when the cruising ban went into effect here, so I don't even recall a time when uh, there wasn't a ban on on cruising. And um, you know, for me, I I was born into it. My parents were part of the Chicano culture and lowrider movement um, in the, the 70s and 80s. And they were taking my sister and I cruising when we were little kids. Um, and so we, we, we had we had no other choice. Uh, my 
parents were driving us to Disneyland in their Impala. Um, that was that was just a family car, right? It wasn't <laughs> it wasn't a, a some sort of luxury, uh, right? Where we had an extra car. That was just our car. That was their car. And when I turned sixteen, my first car was the '65 uh, Super Sport, and that was my only car. Uh, you know, so that was my lowrider. I was taking it to shows, and I was in the Impala's Car Club here. And uh, as I stated, right, I, I, I didn't know anything different besides cruising being illegal. And so almost uh, literally, I can say almost every time that I went out, wasn't just cruising, actually, almost, you know, on, on a weekly basis, um, going to, you know, school, I went to Cupertino High School, I got pulled over regularly. Um, uh, I, I have a terrible experience of taking my girlfriend to ice cream in the town of Los Gatos. And um, the first time I had driven my lowrider through Los Gatos and uh, we got pulled over as we were, we just barely got into town, got pulled over. Uh, it worked, I want to say 17 or 18. Um, and the Los Gatos uh, police officer said, you know, hey, uh, you know, what are you, what are you doing here? <laughs> so well, we're going to ice cream. <laughs> and, um, and he said, well, we don't, uh, we don't want your kind or like your kind in our town. Um, you know, so you can, you know, you can find your way out. And uh, it, it was, it was almost again, a you know, a, a weekly experience of, of getting regularly pulled over. Uh, I got pulled over for cruising several times in downtown San Jose. Uh, those were even slightly more positive experiences. Um, right. But um, I didn't know my, my, my rights back then. We, I'd get brought out, sat on the curb. It's a 25 minute experience, right. Of your car getting searched and, questions about gang involvement and weapons and whatnot. And, and that was just a regular experience. Uh, so it's it certainly, you know, it, it, it weighs on you after a while. I mean, you, you recognize this is something that had been deemed, you know, illegal years past, uh, but then to actually go through the experience of the feeling of being discriminated against uh, regularly stopped um, and, and almost never uh, cited for anything, you know, truly significant, right? Maybe, uh, a light being out, you know, dice hanging on the rearview mirror, um, you know, a, a warning for cruising, but never arrested, never cited for anything because I wasn't doing anything illegal, um, you know, and so uh, definitely had a lot of personal experiences that I have brought now into this this effort and this repeal. Mm, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that story. It, it reminds me of um, the conversation a few years back around stop and frisk in a way, and I think you know residents and and. Elected officials like yourself, council member, have, have both said that the cruising ban is inherently discriminatory. Professor Oloa, I was wondering if you could span, expand on this. Um, how is this ban an example of government policy rooted in an institutionalized racism? Is it that the policy is so broad that that is the problem? Or is it that the, you know, I, I also feel like there's a tie, like the, the line was that it was created to curb gang violence, but it seems like that would target specific areas of the city. Well, I think that, you know, lowriding has been racialized since it, since the beginning, number one. Number two, you know, the big budget media depictions of lowriders as a criminal element has largely functioned as documentary rather than fiction, right? And so I think that, you know, clearly when you target lowriders, by default, you're targeting people of color because the majority of lowriders are people of color. Right? I mean, I said earlier that lowriding it, it comes from the Mexican-American experience in the Southwestern United States, right? Also, there's a significant 
African-American low riding community as well. And now, you know, in 2022, we can say that all kinds of people low ride and that's true, but the majority of low riders are black and brown, right? And so when you target that population, by default, you're targeting people of color, right? And I'm sure that the, the, the councilman will, will back me up with his law enforcement background. I mean, police officers will create probable cause if it doesn't exist, right? So if you see brown youth that are cruising and you assume that they're a criminal element, I mean, there are many, many elders in the community that will tell you that they were pulled over back in the day and they weren't doing anything, but their taillights were busted out by the police officer and then, right, get out, we have to search the car and so on and so forth, right? So I think that clearly this has targeted specific communities and barrios and people from those experiences. And there's just no sugarcoating that whatsoever. You know, so it's, it's when people talk about this racism is systemic, this is one iteration of systemic racism and institutionalized racism. We're going to take a short break. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Hello, Josh Bruce here, co-founder of San Jose Spotlight. Did you know that San Jose Spotlight is Silicon Valley's only nonprofit news organization? That's right. Our impact journalism is funded by generous readers like you. And this year, we have plans to expand our reporting to other cities in Santa Clara County. If you find value in our reporting, consider becoming a sustaining member today with a monthly or annual recurring donation by visiting our website, SanJoseSpotlight.com. Thank you. Now is the time to get your 2023 premium memberships at Gilroy Gardens Family Theme Park. If you buy now, you'll enjoy free admission for the rest of this year, which includes special events like the all-new Mystery Adventure Nights, as well as Halloween. Plus unlimited visits for all of 2023, not to mention free parking, in-park discounts, bring a friend free Fridays, and more. Members make the most memories. Get yours now at gilroygardens.org. Speaking of police, there was some pushback uh, on lifting the ban from the San Jose Police Department. Uh, I believe Chief Mata called for permitting lowrider events rather than just outright repealing the ban. And Councilmember Perales, I was curious about your perspective on this because you, you have the unique perspective of one, having a law enforcement background, but also being a person who was directly impacted by this policy. What, what are your thoughts about the department's concerns? First, I'll, 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 end, or I'll begin with the conclusion. Um, they were, uh, I believe they were wrong, right? Um, and... Uh, the council and our mayor unanimously agreed with that, that we shouldn't have, um, you know, a, a, some sort of permitted process or, or uh, similar to, quite frankly, what National City is going through right now, uh, where they made some history coming out first, but then sort of, you know, have scaled it back. And, and now they have a permitted process that uh, is costing them what well, could, but they've they've now stopped it. But it would have cost them $18,000 per cruise. Um why do that, <laughs> right? Why, uh, you know, why, 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 as a as a lowrider community, pay eighteen thousand dollars to cruise one night? And so, um, you know, my argument back to the chief and the police department was that they have countless tools, um, and and not just municipal violations or ordinances, but countless vehicle code violations that if they wanted to. Uh, legitimately stop somebody for for 
impeding traffic, right? Stopping in the middle of an intersection, you know, um, you know, uh, using your your hydraulics, right, and, and and hopping in the middle of an intersection, driving with your doors open, ghost riding the whip, you know, uh, burnouts, speeding, you name it, they have that. They have all of those all of those vehicle code violations that if we truly are concerned, and I know that this is what the, the chief expressed was, you know, wanting to be able to maintain the peace, right, keep traffic moving, the, the concerns that, that for, for the reasons that the ordinance was uh, was enacted in the first place. Um, you know, if they wanted to maintain all of that, what I said back to them is, hey, look, you have every single tool in the toolbox to still do that. Adding in... The, cruising, which by its definition on our ordinance was uh, driving in a congested area and past the same checkpoint more than once. That's it. <laughs> That's all it was. Adding that one in doesn't doesn't um, add in any more safety or any other necessary tools, right, that they don't already have to maintain safe streets. Uh, and, and there really wasn't any argument, right, from him, quite frankly. Um, that is, has been his response to the police department and police officers. Now, as he messaged out the repeal and stated, hey, this is no longer um, a, a reason that you can now pull somebody over. This is not a, a, an illegal act in the city cruising. He denoted that, you know, hey, by the way, this uh, these things are still illegal vehicle code violations. Um, he actually specifically highlighted the difference between cruising and sideshows which has been conflated not only by our community, but I would say, unfortunately, it's been one of the one of the blemishes through this whole process is we've had some news coverage that is covering the the, the repeal and then showing video of sideshows. And they're not one and the same at no, all. Very conflicting. Uh, and, and to that point, yeah. council member, that was actually my next question. Is that comparison between cruising and sideshows? And I'd, I'd like to hear both of your perspectives on this. I think we obviously know what the difference is between like cruising and what a sideshow is, but for our listeners and readers that might not, how, how are these types of events different? Yeah. Uh, well, they're significantly different. Um, first off the act of, of cruising in and of itself is driving slow, very slow. <laughs> uh, you're showing off your, you know, your car, you're checking out the other cars, uh, right. The, the paint work that's on the, the murals, the, the, the Chrome, the car itself. Um, and so the whole nature of it is actually traffic congestion, right? And that, that was one of the original challenges um, why the, the, the ordinance was put into place in the 80s. Um, and and relatively, right, a, a safe act as far as vehicle traffic is is concerned. The worst thing that, that the city ever experienced was impeding the right-of-way for, for emergency vehicles, right? And that was also one of the, the, the reasons that they, they claimed that they needed the ban. Um, sideshows... For the most part, what you'll see is um, anywhere from 100, 200, several hundred people uh, identifying an area, typically large intersections, blocking off all four directions of those intersections um, with the, the sort of the spectators, cars. And then in the intersection, uh, cars doing burnouts and donuts and going, you know, 40 miles an hour in a circle, right? 40, 50 miles an hour in a circle uh, regularly spectators and bystanders getting hit by those cars or flying off of the cars because they're hanging outside the door, sitting on the car. Um, you know, that's the the major gist, right, of, 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 of sideshows. Um, and, and yeah, inherently a very dangerous uh, activity. Um, Professor, do you have anything to add to that? 
I do, but not as a professor, but as a lowrider. You know, um, you know when I think when I think of the lowrider meetups, right, or you know the cruises. And since we're talking about San Jose, we'll talk about you know the Sunday night cruise. And you know, people are posted up in front of the dog, you know, or people are across the street at the park. People are parked. People are on lawn chairs. People are standing, hanging out, you know, enjoying company. There, you know, people that are cruising. Um, it's a completely different environment than a sideshow, you know, now, not that, you know, some, look, if somebody hops a car, there's always a potential for danger I mean, we would be, it would be ridiculous to try to, to, to ignore that, you know, a ball joint can bust, a spring can go, parts can go flying literally. Um, however, um, I've never seen to date. I've never seen someone get hit by a car or fall out of a car at a lowrider event. You know what I mean? So I think that, you know, it's, it's easy for a media soundbite or for a video clip, you know, for sensationalization or to, you know, to be sensationalized, you know, and, and people who don't know better will go, Oh, it's dangerous. You know, like I'm thinking about like, you know, somebody watching the five o'clock news, you know, and they put down the paper and then, Oh, they're all like that. You know, it's, it's completely preposterous to even try to cross those wires because they're com two completely different cultural aspects, you know? So anyway, that's my take on it. As a low rider, I've never seen the, the degree of injury that I've seen in sideshows. I think that, Two things are, are, are true and, and want to make sure that that point is clear. Number one, uh, cruising, low riding is is not equivalent to side sideshows at all, uh, right? As, as the professor said, two very different cultural phenomena. At the same time, the intent here is to differentiate the two. In my mind, it, it's not to knock down the culture of sideshows and say that these youth are, ah, that's the younger generation and what they're doing is ridiculous. And, and you know, I agree, it's inherently dangerous. You know, I wouldn't want my, my kid engaging in it. But at the same time, we have to recognize that cultural phenom. And, and we should be doing something more proactive than simply just enforcement, right? And trying to capture um, the energy of those youth because there's a ton of them, right? I just heard my, my Lyft driver give me a ride home last night from the, the no cruising celebration said her 18-year-old son wants to propose to his girlfriend in the middle of a sideshow. I mean, that's how that's how this cultural phenomenon is, 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 is engaging these youth. So I do think that it's important that we recognize that, right, as lowriders, that we're not just, just ostracizing the sideshow, you know, culture and community, like, ah, that's something dangerous and not us. Yes, we can be clear that it's not us, but at the same time recognize, hey, we shouldn't do what happened to us 30, 40 years ago and just ostracize that community. Instead, we should be looking, how do we engage those youth differently? How do we get, you know, do we start working with cities and counties and figure out, can we find, you know, strips of, of property and land, you know, where they can go out and engage in a way that maybe is a little bit safer. Nonetheless, I just wanted to make sure that that, that point got added. Hmm. Thank you for making those points. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. To be an entrepreneur, you have to have vision, confidence and purpose and like so many other business owners you have to find resources that can help you through tough times comcast rise changed my life they put me in a unique space where i could scale on my own more than 4700 businesses have benefited from the comcast rise program apply today at comcastrise.com for a variety of business marketing and tech makeovers on us keep rising 
Looking for a design agency that can take your brand to the next level? Design in Mind is a woman-led design agency that specializes in branding mid-sized companies, startups, and even nonprofits. Reach out to discover how a better brand can help move your business forward and book a consultation at designim.com. Um, just just a couple more questions here. Um, so I think we mentioned National City earlier. Um, it's just outside of San Diego. National City is another area that's looking at lifting their cruising ban, or I, I believe they actually might have lifted their cruising ban as of now. It's actually more complex than that. National City endeavored to, to it went down the path uh, to, to repeal their ban. But instead, their mayor who led that effort um, was convinced by the city manager and their police chief to go to a permitted model instead of a repeal of their 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 ban, and their lowrider community was allowed um, this year to host six uh, permitted cruises, and they engaged on their very first cruise uh, earlier this year, and the idea was that after that cruise they would establish what the permit fee would be. So that first one was free. At the end of that cruise, the police department came back and said, "All right, they're going to be eighteen thousand dollars per per event." And so the lowrider community just said, that's ridiculous, right? Like, we can, you know, it, it would literally, if we kept the ban in place, if, if National City kept their ban in place at the same uh, rate that they've been getting tickets for lowriding, they could lowride for the next hundred years illegally and not have to pay 18 grand. So it just, uh, you know, doesn't make sense at all. Not to mention it doesn't address the underlying, you know, issues, I think, of, of, potential, you know, unconstitutional law and the discriminatory acts of having and none of that, but it, it just doesn't make sense mathematically. Right. And so, uh, the low rider community there said, we're not going to do the other five. We don't want this. And so they actually are fighting now to try to go back and, and now get a, a clean repeal. And, and that's what they're working on right now. And in fact, it's becoming an issue in their mayor's race. Wow. Well, th- thank you for clarifying that, uh, council member. I remember in our last story that we wrote about the, uh, the ban. We had a national city official who was talking about the economic benefit of, uh, or really the economic benefit they saw when cruise days were being held. I guess now that I say that out loud, it would make sense that they would want to go with a permitting model if they're looking at it from an economic standpoint rather than a cultural. Um, I know that this has kind of changed, uh, Professor Olo. I don't know if you have any thoughts on this, on on this differentiation and how the cities are handling this type of policy. Well, you know, it's it's interesting because you know, the intersectionality of my identity, right? It's like, which hat am I wearing? You know, and, and I wanted to address the last question with my low rider hat on. You know, and then I have to wear my professor hat, but then I have to wear like my low rider community member hat of just, you know, being shoulder to shoulder with fellow low riders, you know, with frequency. And there, there are people that have told me like that the cruising ban or the repeal of the cruising ban in San Jose doesn't change a thing as far as their lifestyle goes, that those signs have never been a deterrent for one day in terms of how they live their lives. Like I, I never stop cruising regardless, you know? Um, but you know, it, it is a catch 22 because on the one hand, realistically, you know, when, when there's an event and people leave their, their trash, their litter behind, I mean, somebody has to pick it up, right? And it's city resources that are being, um, I correct me if I'm wrong, council member, but, you know, I mean, you know, cities do have to pay, right? And then, you know, on big days, big celebrations, i.e. like a Cinco de Mayo, right? Where you would probably ramp up a police presence, right? 
people are, you know, clocking in on overtime, right? A city does have overhead. So on the one hand, I understand it. However, you know, low and slow on a Friday or Saturday night shouldn't cost $36,000 a weekend or whatever it is. You know what I mean? You know, because at the end of the day, we do pay taxes as, as residents of a city. And therefore, we should have access to that public space, regardless of whether we're driving a 64 Impala, you know, uh, you know, a 20, you know, 19 Prius or a Tesla or, you know, grandma's station wagon. It doesn't matter, right? We all have access to the space, you know, it's, and it is a constitutional right to, you know, peaceably to assemble, right? We, we have that in place. Um, so it's dicey, but at the end of the day, you know, the permitted model is, is an attempt to control the space and have it more regulated. Um, but you know, there's just no perfect answer for this. So I fully understand the low riding community saying, no, we're not going to do it because we'll just cruise anyway. So I don't know if that answers your question, but that's my answer. No, it was great. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, I, I did have one final question for both of you. Uh, I'm curious what the lifting of this ban means for the future of lowriding, both in San Jose and beyond. Councilmember, I think you could probably speak for the San Jose portion. And Professor, I know you've done a lot of work about how uh, lowriding has grown beyond Mexican-American communities in the United States. So, uh, Councilmember, let's hear from you first. Yeah. Well, first, I'll, I'll echo what the professor said. There are a lot of people, myself included, right? It didn't stop me from cruising the the, the ban itself. But there is a huge significance in a government repealing a, you know, 36 year long, um, what I would deem discriminatory, you know, racist policy, right? An ordinance that uh, whether you, you are, you know, uh, uh, adamant, right? Enough that, Hey, it didn't affect me and I'm not cruising overall as a community and a culture, it has absolutely had a major effect, uh, right? A diminishing effect on our uh, Chicano and lowrider culture here in the city of San Jose. And and we've seen that and we've felt that. Uh, it's had individual impacts, like I gave examples, right, of myself and, and, and other people. I, I, I've had over the course of the last few months uh, grown veterano, you know, machismo men come to me and, and break down in tears because they said, man, you know, and they started to describe some of those experiences, right? They're, they're, my dad was telling me, hey, man, you know, the cops would come by and beat on our car with, with the batons just to get us to move, right? Like, cause we're, we're and, and not, no recourse back then, right? No cameras, nothing like that. And, um, as the professor said, breaking taillights to, you know, create the, 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 uh, the cause to be able to, 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 to pull somebody over. All of that is built up in this removal, right? The, 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 or the repeal, the, the repeal is much larger than just getting rid of the signs. The repeal is much larger than the ordinance itself. It's speaking to opportunity now, of, of, of a culture, of, of a people, right, of an art form. Um, it, it's, it's speaking towards what, what our youth will experience, right, when it comes to, to this. Um, and, and so in my mind, what it, what it means for, for San Jose is, is a new opportunity, right? It, it, it's setting, um, you know, s- some history here for, for our, ourselves, but also for, you know, the, the state and in, in every place where they're experiencing not just cruising bans, but other historically discriminatory policies, um, right? So it's much more significant than just, you know, 
the removal of a sign or the, the repeal of one ordinance. And, and I agree with that 100%. I think that, you know, w- w- the naysayers to all of this of, oh man, I didn't, I, I cruised no matter what. That's fine. But what I've been like a broken record stating to people that come at me with that is this victory is huge symbolically in that it clearly demonstrates what we can do as a community if we organize, if we pool our resources, if we, if we band together in one direction to change a policy. This is only the tip of the iceberg. And my hope is that not everybody just goes away now to say, okay, we did it and we're done. Absolutely not. The iron is hot. We should still strike it for better schools for our kids, better health care for our community, right? We're not done. This is only the beginning. And I would hope that our community continues to ride this wave of politicizing for to, to affect positive change for our communities. That's my hope. That's what I think the real uh, significance is and symbolism, that we were victorious as a community here. And we're seeing that in other places throughout the state. And now there's this statewide initiative, right? But again, like why stop, right? Because, you know, there ha- there are many problems that affect our communities, right? And this is an opportunity to just continue to build on this momentum that, we- that we've begun to, to reestablish here. Professor John Aloha, Councilmember Raul Perales, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you. That's it for this episode of The Podlight, a podcast produced by San Jose Spotlight. I'm editor Nick Preciado. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.